Welcome to another edition of The Best Business Mind, hosted by serial entrepreneur and author Mark Kramer. Tune into The Best Business Minds to listen to thought-provoking interviews with best-selling business book authors who are today's leading innovators, entrepreneurs, and industry experts from around the globe. Welcome to another edition of The Best Business Minds, where we interview business leaders and academics that write thought-provoking books. I'm Mark Kramer, a serial entrepreneur who consults with family businesses and entrepreneurs. This is our 115th show. Today's guest is Tracy Anos, Anos? Anos, author of LinkedIn Publishing to Profits. Tracy, welcome. Glad to have you. Um, And you're in Kansas City, Missouri, correct? Yes. Thank you, Mark, for having me today. Boy, I think I, we scheduled this back in August of 2021. Yeah, I booked out till March of 2023. That's fantastic. Um, so why don't you first tell us a little bit about your professional background? Um, kind of have a non-traditional background um, without you know going into too much detail. I started out my career oh. in timeshare <laughs> in Branson, Missouri. So if anybody's ever been to Branson, Missouri, I probably and, and bought a bought a timeshare, I I probably sold it to you, but, but anyway, um, and then I ended up getting my real real estate license, um, in 2000 and I worked for a small team out of an independent real estate office in Joplin, Missouri for a couple of years. And, um, one thing led to another, did really well, but, um, Wells Fargo did a great job of recruiting me and brought me back to Branson to work out of their, uh, their office in downtown Branson. And so, um, so I started out my, you know, real sales career in mortgage and real estate. So, um, and then eventually I got laid off in 08. I was part of that housing crisis, that financial crisis way back when, and I got laid off from national city bank and, you know, being down in Branson, it's a second home market typically. Well, it was back then anyway. And we had like 18 months of inventory and nobody was lending on second homes. So you really needed cash buyers. And so I couldn't find a job. So I moved back up here to Kansas City. And then I worked for a firm, a real estate office. I was the managing broker for the office. And we did 80% of all the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac foreclosures in the city. So um, that was a lot of work. So um, and then she closed her office and kind of I got stuck, didn't know where to go from there. And so um, I dabbled in a couple things and decided it wasn't for me, like insurance. And so I started looking on LinkedIn to look for a job. And I found this company out of Carlsbad, California, that um, had it was another kind of sales job. I don't know if you're familiar with going into, you know, the stores like Thursday through Sunday and they demo, you know, food and products and stuff like that. So I worked on the demo team and within two months of working with them, I became field regional manager for seven states and 83 stores. So that started my career. And while everybody else was partying after work, I'd just hang out in my hotel room and play in LinkedIn in the trenches. So that was way back. So my born on date with LinkedIn was 2009, but I really didn't get active till 2011 in LinkedIn. And even then, um, I only had 60 connections in June of 2012. Because, you know, the uh, the strategy that people have had for the last several years is just to get mass connections. 
just connect with anybody and everybody, right? Um, but that wasn't like that back in 2011. So it was real strategic with that. Um, and then when I really um, started my digital marketing agency um, in 2012, I was just dabbling in it, but um, getting paid for it in 2013, that's when things changed. And I went from 60 connections in 2012 of June to 1200 connections in December of 2012, and I became the one um, percent top one percent of all LinkedIn profiles back in 2012. Wow! So, so that's when LinkedIn actually emailed you. They don't email you anymore. So, so yeah, it's kind of cool. Who they are, well, and I got myself into some hot water along the way. I got myself suspended for five days. Um, because what did I, you know? Well, there was this 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 program. I can't remember who who started called Top Linked. And so you could download uh, CSV files of people's email addresses. And, you know, the, the caveat was that if you were on this list, you didn't, I don't know you. And there were people kept saying, I don't know. And you get too many of those and LinkedIn suspends you. That's still true to today. You get too many of those and, and LinkedIn will, will suspend you. Not nearly for five days, but if you're a first time offender, several hours, second time offender, couple days, third time offender, you run the risk of getting yourself kicked off of the platform altogether. So, but yeah, so I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in LinkedIn along the way. And it was just because I was in the trenches every day, learning what the capacity, what, what can I do? What can I not do? How much activity can I have? And so, and I've been doing it ever since. So I have to tell you, I love this book. And when it came across last summer, when I came across this book and I uh, reached out to you, I said, so many of us are on LinkedIn and we really don't know the full capability of LinkedIn or really how to leverage it in a way that's going to be meaningful. So why, why did you write this book? Well, I actually, in um, the fall of 2014, um, I went to a marketing conference. And in fact, one of the fellows where you're going to probably ask about the question later on here, the 10 by 10 formula, I went to a marketing conference called Publish to Profit. And I got picked for a hot seat with four multimillionaires. And within seven minutes, they dissected my whole business, told me to fire all my digital marketing clients and to start a LinkedIn consulting company and write a book. Well, I attempted to write a book with another fella that I met at the seminar, but eventually it never got published. And so it took me a couple of years to write the book. And then in August of 2016, LinkedIn changed their whole publishing platform, and meaning they took it away. The pulse, pulse, it's, it's gone now. And so I'm so glad that I didn't publish the book because it would have been obsolete immediately. So it took me about another year to finally write it. So in 2017, I started writing it again. And I was to go speak at a conference um, in Cleveland with Dan Kennedy's great uh, GKIC conference. And so I couldn't walk into the conference and say I wasn't a best-selling author. So I, I got all the, the, uh, the title, the graphics, the, you know, a little bit of the content that Amazon required. And then I marketed the book. And in 24 hours, I was a best-selling author. And when 36 hours, I was a best-selling author in two countries. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. So let's start with the beginning about LinkedIn. I, I think we all think we know what it is, but I'm not sure that we do. You know, what is it? Is it a place to find a job and employers to find star players? Is this a place to network? Is it a place to sell one services, products, market events? What, what, what is it? It's all the above. 
So LinkedIn has really um, morphed into many things. Now, when LinkedIn was first, was first, um, um, you know, the first SaaS software out there or social media platform out there, much like Facebook, it was developed in one of the founders' garages. In fact, they're a few months older than Facebook. They didn't grow as fast as Facebook, but it was a place for people to put their resumes, their CVs, and for hiring managers, recruiters, staffing agencies to find great talent for companies with their open positions. But as the years progressed, LinkedIn um, people started using LinkedIn to network and grow their network, whether it was local or it was international. And then um, LinkedIn started to see people were starting to use it to find, you know, to, for people to showcase their businesses whether that is for branding reasons or whether it was to actually use LinkedIn to find new clients. So it was kind of a, a new way to network, not like what I traditionally did back in the day, which is go to the chamber meetings to like BNI, or we had one here in Kansas City called RLI, Referral Leaders International. Um, and then of course, you know, there was a small networking groups and, you know, much like myself, others found that it was very difficult to find clients going to these networking meetings and it was very costly and time consuming. So people started turning to LinkedIn to find clients for their own businesses. So here's a question from the audience. How many connections is too many? Well, that depends on what your business objectives and goals are. Now, LinkedIn does have a cap on connections, which is 30,000, but you can have unlimited followers. So there's, you know, Look, I think if you have really a great network of potential prospects, a thousand connections, you can't work with 30,000 people. I don't care what anybody says. You just can't. Right. So um, whether, you know, if, whether you define your objectives for using LinkedIn, whether it's finding new clients, whether it's developing personal relationships, whether it's finding uh, joint venture or referral partners, um, whatever your goal is for using LinkedIn, um, Get really clear on who that is and why you want to use LinkedIn and what your long-term and short-term goals are, and then go out and find those folks. But you don't need 30,000 people to do that. Um, how does one make their uh, profile pop? Well, look, 99% of your activities on LinkedIn is tied to your personal profile. So what people are going to see first within your activities, regardless of whether you're doing direct outreach, you're posting content, you're engaging with other people's content, you're writing articles, um, you are doing videos or whatever, people are going to see your photo and a truncated version of your headline. And Mark, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, you know, LinkedIn's been around for what, 18 years now. Um, I'm still seeing people make mistakes that they did way back in when I was on 2011. They're doing the selfie photos. Guys, this is not Instagram. This is not Facebook. This is not TikTok. You know, it's a professional platform. Uh, but what I am seeing is so that you get seen in all the noise on LinkedIn, and I've done it personally as well, is add some color to your background photo because the eye is going to be drawn to color first. So, and brand it towards, you know, whatever your, you know, company colors are. Additionally, they're going to see your headline and I'm still seeing, you know, my title at XYZ company. Well, no one really cares about your title unless you're searching for clients and then that makes it easy um, to find them based off of their title. 
But people want to know what's in it for them. Who do you serve? How do you serve them? What kind of results can you get for them? And how are you different than the rest of your competition, right? Somebody real, they really want to know that. So with 220 characters, if you can spark curiosity within whatever your activities are on LinkedIn, then people are going to go to your profile and they're going to go view it and they're going to check you out, right? So that's how we want to get people to go check out our profile because LinkedIn does have a little feature that says who's viewed my profile. And if you are a business premium or sales navigator um, member on LinkedIn, you're going to get to see everybody in the last 90 days who's checked out your profile. If you're free, you only get to see five people and, you know, in the last 90 days. So if, if that changes every day, you only get to see the first five people. So, you know, from there, you know, old newspaper term above the fold, right? So you had the, the best headline, it would encourage you to buy the paper and then people would open it up and read the rest of the paper. So when somebody lands on your profile, the next way for your, your profile to pop is to really use your digital real estate. And that is your background photo. Don't just have a cityscape. Don't just have you, you know, standing on stage speaking, use that real estate right there. Put some sort of hook, you know, that gets people to want to read the rest of your profile and a call to action. Tell them what you want them to do next. So that could be simply calling your office. Maybe you have a, a calendar link. Maybe you have just your website. Well, how about, you know, if you have like a landing page where somebody can, you know, get a freebie because you're giving something away, which gets them off of LinkedIn and into your own pipeline, you know, just give them somewhere to go. Encourage them to, you know, connect with you outside of LinkedIn. After all, you don't own your connections in LinkedIn. LinkedIn owns those connections. And so if you were to get suspended or permanently banned from LinkedIn, you would lose all that all those folks in your network. Wow. I didn't realize that. that yeah, absolutely. The whole goal is to get people off of LinkedIn and, you know, you guys can tackle that any number of ways, you know, by doing um, most of my ways are getting people on a phone call and now they're in my CRM and now I can keep track of them through what we call deal stages. Um, also, you know, um, you can get them into your email pipeline. And so that way you can market to them on and off LinkedIn because people are busy these days, right? Yes. So even, even though the activity has improved on LinkedIn, they're still only seeing about 54, 55% of all the members on LinkedIn active in LinkedIn at any one time. Wow. So you want to touch them, like we, we call it multi-channel marketing. So you want to touch these people through uh, their LinkedIn messages, through their email, through maybe SMS, or even if you have something set up using like a, we like the tool called Twilio is to go in and then you can send people ringless voicemails if you want to do that. Now you've got omnipresence, so our omnichannel. So um, that's how we like to do things, but it all starts with the profile and that foundation work, which is very key. And in my book, the whole first chapter talks about that. Yeah. So I tried numerous times to promote this show that you're on through LinkedIn groups, no success. And other authors told me, oh, they tried using it too and found it didn't move anything. Like I'm in 50 groups and over 3 million people. And you would think, my gosh, we're poor. And then I tried this in the uh, first year, this is the beginning of the pandemic and tried it for about four or five months, didn't really, didn't have any success. Other well-known people have told me the same outcome. 
What's your thoughts on this? I agree with them. LinkedIn groups have, you know, they when they first came out, people were active. You were getting, you know, a lot of engagement in the groups. But over the years, groups have pretty much died. And they're still valuable. And I still recommend going in and joining groups, not just your industry groups, but groups where your, your ideal prospect would be, you know, hanging out. What kind of groups are they joining? Because um, there is an advanced strategy that we use when we belong to these groups with the in, in combination with Sales Navigator, which is LinkedIn's premium tool, prospecting tool. So um, I would still do that. But look, at the end of the day, um, it's people, right? So just because you post something in a group or post something in the newsfeed doesn't necessarily guarantee you that people are going to see it and engage with it. And what have you done that it's worked well for you with groups? I haven't. I use this this the strategy of using the groups that I'm in. I belong to like 69 groups. You can belong to 100 now. I think yeah. that's overkill, but right. Um, 69 groups. I didn't know realize that I belonged to 69 groups until I saw it the other day on my platform. I'm like, when did I do this? Because <laughs> I'm not active in groups at all. Um, but I use sales navigator and in the groups that I'm in, because that gets me around the connection limit and the message limit and the in-mail limit. And as long as I have a group that we have in common, I can go and message these people in this group for free. So I could send out, you know, 20, 30, 40 messages a day. If I belong to a group, that's how we use groups. What, What is sales navigator? Sales Navigator is LinkedIn's uh, premium prospecting tool. So if you go into regular LinkedIn, you're going to get a few filters to, you know, really find somebody that you're looking for to connect with. But Sales Navigator has over 30 filters and it's amazing. I've had it for eight years now. I'm grandfathered in and I won't ever get rid of it. It's the the best VA I've ever had. (laughs) So. Or the cheapest well, too. But. I got a, I'm a premium. Um, I think so I there's a, a business premium and then yeah. there's sales navigator. And by the way, LinkedIn doesn't tell you this. You don't need both. So if you're a sales navigator user, you only need that. You can cancel your business premium as well. That's just double dipping, I think. So once you have sales navigator, you have access to all the business premium features. I'm going to have to look into that. A question from the audience. When you post or share... Or, uh, or like something on LinkedIn, who sees it? Your your network sees it if they're in the newsfeed. So uh, anybody that is, you know, a second or third degree in your network, LinkedIn's going to show in the newsfeed that you either liked, commented, or shared on the post. And so what that does is a it, it's a great, um, great feature to have if you're using it to, um, you know, get other people to see your content, for example. So um, let me give you an example. So last Friday, I actually did my very first newsletter post. I haven't written an article in a very long time, but I'd had access to this since it came out of beta um, last year. And I did not jump on the bandwagon like I normally do with, with the new features that LinkedIn rolls out. However, so I am getting people third degree connections because somebody in my network commented on it and or liked it. And now their networks are getting notified. And so if their second degree networks getting notified that maybe somebody in the second degree network went and liked it and commented on it. Now that network and that's three degrees difference from me. So 
what's really cool about that is one of the third degree um, folks that liked my article, I now have a meeting with to potentially new business. All because other people outside of your network are seeing your content. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you had a calm that was mentioned in, in, in probably many comms if you've even exceeded this, but you had a calm that was viewed 5,500 times. What did you write about and what's the minimum number of views and, and profile views that are considered impressive and value add to one's brand? Um, I don't remember which article that was, but it's more than 5,500 now. <laughs> so, right, so give us an example I mean, about that, I, one I, of those. I'm getting like 50,000 views on things and I'm not like the big influencer out there. I, I'm more of the personal relationship kind of gal instead of being trying to go viral in the newsfeed or, or on my articles. Yeah, but 50,000 is an amazing number. You know, some of yeah. us look at and go, well, I got 100 people uh, that viewed <laughs> it. I think strive for a thousand views or a thousand impressions, right? Because look, if you have the right content for the right audience at the right time, content can generate you leads. But I really don't think that's where you should start on LinkedIn. You should start doing what we call a basic marketing campaign, getting back to basics and then start doing the add-ons with that, right? Start doing, and people want to see content. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't put content out there, but people want to, you know, you want to start building and developing personal relationships first in LinkedIn, and then, you know, get your daily, weekly, and monthly, you know, um, strategy and what you're going to do on each of those days, weeks, and months down to a science. So create that system And then once that system is really starting to become a well-oiled machine, start adding in the other pieces on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn has a lot of bells and whistles to it. And this is why I tell people, don't have to use everything that LinkedIn has to offer to make a healthy six-figure income at all, organically, not even considering using LinkedIn ads whatsoever. And, but it's good to have, you know, the other pieces to it, but you really don't need that. I know people, they don't post any content. I have a colleague here in Kansas city. He doesn't even have a website. He doesn't even have a fancy camera. He doesn't even have um, a camera on his Mac laptop. All he uses is Gmail and articles. He's a career coach. And before the pandemic, um, the January of 2020, he made 20 or $19,000 in coaching fees just by using email and an article. So it can be done. He's not posting content. He doesn't have any fancy phone or anything like that, you know? So it it can be done. It's very, very possible. But he has really dialed in to who his prospect and client is. And that's the key right there. And where are his articles being posted? Like you say, he's not posting them on LinkedIn? Mm Mm-hmm. He is, so. Oh, he is. Mm-hmm, he is. But then he's taking that link from that article because he doesn't have a website. So it's like his blog. Yeah. And what he does in a, a really fun fashion, I really like that he did this. Not only did he just write an article, he wrote an article that has like a training lesson into it. So when he does get a new client, he has now a list of these articles that does some training, which complements his coaching program. And he just sends those articles to them as well. And then he takes his list in Gmail, he grabs that link from the article and then sends 
an email out to everybody in his list. So wow. he's saying when, he's, when you're doing an article a week, you know, he's staying top of mind, you know, and so most of his business now is referral business, but even with referrals, you got to stay top of mind. You want to be the first name that rolls off their tongue when they come in contact with somebody that needs those services. I, by the way, I love how focused you are. Uh, and, you okay. know, and, and your answers and I can tell your process for doing this uh, has got to be very successful. Here's a question from the audience. Is there a way to bulk delete contacts? I have 6,000 contacts who are from a former industry and I'd like to delete many, but keep certain contacts. There used to be a tool and I went and looked it up for a client of mine and could not find it. That would for like $15 would like bulk delete a bunch of people, but okay. unfortunately there's no simple way for that. Then an easier way is to get sales navigator. And then you can really define who that is. Like, for example, I used to connect with people that were from um, the Middle East, like India and Bangladesh and stuff. I don't connect with those people anymore because they, they want to steal my business. And all they do is come at you, you know, the minute they connect with you, they want to sell you their web services, SEO, their marketing, yes. all that jazz, right? So, so I don't connect with those folks anymore. And that's a personal choice, you know, um, but I did in the beginning. But right now, look, if you have 6,000 connections, you get a limit of 30. You can just ignore those 6,000 people. Trust me, you want to have those connections because you don't know who they're connected to who based on a, off of a search, you may not be able to reach that person had you not been connected to that, that certain person. So I think maybe when you hit your ceiling of almost 30,000 people, I would go in and start removing folks that, you know, you know, aren't going to, you know, bring any business to you. A question from the audience. What's your view on using some of the automation tools that connect into LinkedIn? I tried one and got a warning in the first week, even though I followed the low volume. Well, it depends on the tool and there's a lot of them out there. And trust me, I ride the fine gray line with them as well. I use one tool and one tool only, tool only. And the only automation that I do is I use it with um, sending out, you know, uh, mass messages to my first connections. So like if I'm going to send out two to 300, you know, messages, I'll use the tool instead of doing it manually and then connection requests. And so everything else that I do in LinkedIn is all manually done. What's the tool you use? Duck soup. <clears throat> Duck soup. Okay. And I don't even use our turbo version, which is $50 a month. I use the $15 a month version. Ducks. But there's another tool that I want to share with you guys that I just partnered with. They're, they're from, I think Paris, the CEO is from. It's called leadjet.io, and that is super cool. It actually will save you 70% of your time going and adding people to your CRM like HubSpot or Pipedrive or Salesforce, and it, it's an overlay. You know, when you're, let, let's say, for example, you're messaging somebody in LinkedIn, and then you decide that you guys are going to set an appointment to meet via Zoom, right? So you want to go in there with Leadjet. With one click, you can set it up and send them to the deal stages. And I use HubSpot in HubSpot or Pipedrive. And now you have them in your CRM without to have to manually copy and paste all their information. 
It's really cool. And they have a really cool little tool in there. So if you have templatized any of your messages, then you will able, you're able to set up the templates in there and not having to like, you know, create a whole, um, you know, file folder of, you know, typical responses or, or message templates. So a lot, and a lot of work to be done and a lot of systems to learn. You write about one's articles getting picked up and being seen by many, which we've been discussing. What is your formula? What topics and types of articles get noticed? Again, I mean, articles are great if you know your audience and you know their pain points and their desires, which is what we talk about when we do foundation work, right? Which should be what you should do for any marketing strategy or plan that you have, not just LinkedIn. Um, so if you identify, you know, the demographics of that person, then you dive deep and, you know, identify the psychographics. What are the pains? What are, what's keeping them up at night? Um, what kind of questions do they have? What are frequently asked questions or should ask questions? That's the 10 by 10 formula we'll talk about in a minute. And that way you can start developing content that is based around that. So for example, my very first newsletter article uh, was about creator mode because that's a new feature that came around in early of 2021. And a lot of people are still confused. Everybody jumped on the creator mode bandwagon. Well, if you're not creating content, why are you in creator mode? Right. So I did, you know, three things that you consider about using creator mode before you turn it on. And I got a lot of compliments in there about people are like, yeah, I was really confused. I didn't understand creator mode. Thank you for shedding some light on it. So when you know some of the pain points, you know, of your ideal prospect, then you can start, you know, creating content that works around that. Basically telling them the how, not, you know, or what to do, not how to do it. And because obviously you want to be a great resource and, and be knowledgeable and showcase your authority and expertise, but you want a client at the end of the day, right? So, you know, give them some little nuggets here and there, but don't completely tell them how to do it and work yourself out of a job. What's creator mode? So creator mode was meant for um, content creators in LinkedIn. So for those people who are doing LinkedIn lives, their events, they're posting content in the newsfeed, you know, that's, that's where creator mode. And once you turn it on, you're able to add in some hashtags. I don't really know how valuable those are, but it's a, it says to people that these are the things that you talk about, which are your hashtags. And then you get an opportunity, your little profile photo now becomes a 30 second commercial. Now you have to actually record it from your mobile phone. But if you're also doing LinkedIn lives, then every time you go live, your banner, your background banner turns into that LinkedIn live while your, you know, your uh, event is going live. Also, it's going to rearrange some sections in your profile. So your about section is going to move down and your featured section and your activity are going to move up. So if you're not creating content, then people, they're going to see your activity, but that's not your content, right? So they want to see your content. So the there's a there's <clears throat> some definitive reasons to use content creator or creator mode and then you can also develop a newsletter but you don't have to be in creator mode to do that anymore um but for those people who are putting great content out there you might want to do that another thing that is different is if you're trying to build your network going to creator mode gives you a follow button and they take away the connect button. Now, can people still connect with you? 
Absolutely. But they have to they click on a couple more things just to get to the connect button. And a lot of people don't know where that is, whether it's on mobile or on desktop laptop. So why are you making it hard for people to connect with you? Right. So that's what my question was. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I use a hybrid version of it. So when I really want people to come and connect with me, I'll get off creator mode. And and I'm not consistent with my content. And if I want people to, you know, follow me, then I'm going to create the content and I'll switch creator mode back on. So because there's really limitations to followers, followers can't message you, you can't message them, you're not connected to them. So you can't have that conversation in your inbox unless you go connect with them. Another question from the audience. Do you just use LinkedIn messaging to stay in touch or do you get your contacts, personal or business email addresses? Okay, ask that question again, please. <laughs> do you just use LinkedIn messaging to stay in touch or do you get your contacts, personal or business email addresses? I do both. So once you're connected with them, as long as they have their email address and their contact info, you can grab that. But um, more often than not, that's not their business email. It's usually just their primary email for logging into LinkedIn. Um, so I use other tools to go and find the business email address. And then I put them in and I and I'm email them. So we're doing a one-two punch, connecting with them in LinkedIn, starting the conversation, taking them off of LinkedIn and putting them into our own CRM. And what's the other tool we use to get Oh, we use now? the tools called dropcontact.io. <laughs> Drop. And then it's called enhancing. So what they'll do is they'll go scrape the web and um, try and find, you know, their uh, business email address. And, and it's it's about 70 to 80 percent accurate. Amazing. And how much does something like that cost? Depends on how many credits you purchase. So I think it's around, you know, $80 a month for, I think, a thousand or five thousand. It's been a while. <laughs> so Understood. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys, here's a little tip. This is what I've done because since November of 2018, LinkedIn, if you export your connections, they don't, they don't have the email addresses unless you go in your privacy settings and say, you want your email address to show up when somebody exports, you know, their connections. 99% um, of people, it's a no, right? So uh, from that information, from that export from LinkedIn, then I will go in and upload that CSV to drop contact, you know, and then they will go out and, and find, you know, the email addresses. So I did it in bulk. I got to hire someone like you to do this. I'm already <laughs> overwhelmed just listening to you tell me. And we're only. I, didn't I tell you that LinkedIn it. is overwhelming? <laughs> so. Uh, are there specific authors we should follow to get ideas on what audiences embrace? Dan Kennedy. That's where I learned everything from Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy, Dan Kennedy. So go and who is Dan on. Kennedy? Dan Kennedy is one of the most brilliant marketing and advertising copywriters in this country. I th I'd say worldwide. He He's way up there. So Dan Kennedy has been doing copywriting since the seventies, I believe. And he has some wonderful programs and articles and books that really shares on how to really deep dive into who your ideal prospect is. And in fact, one of his, um, I've, I've purchased several programs from um, his organization. And 
one of my worksheets for my coaching clients are 10 questions that came from one of those programs that you should be deep diving in how to find your ideal client. What are their pain points? What are their ultimate desires? And so on and so forth. So I use that in my coaching business. Love Dan Kennedy. Um, I don't think you can learn from him enough. And then he also partners with a bunch of other uh, brilliant minds around the country in different aspects of marketing, whether it's online or offline. What's the difference, as you write, between writing for one's industry and the ideal customer? You talk about that in the book. Yeah, so same thing with, you know, joining groups. You want to join groups for your industry. So if you're, for example, in social media marketing or digital agency or digital marketing, you're going to go join groups with, with other people that are in the same industry as you, okay? And then you can learn from other people. Look, I, I'm not the only LinkedIn trainer out there. So, um, you know, some of us, we're good friends and we powwow ideas off of each other or if we find something new. Um, you know, we share that with with amongst our own industry um, and then go join groups or, or find forums or whatnot. Or, so once you deep dive into who that prospect is. So I know that my client, if I'm, I'm in social media marketing, let's let's just say that um, I know how to do Facebook ads. Right. And we know that's a challenge for local businesses using Facebook ads. And I know that my clients are typically local businesses like restaurants, spas, chiropractors, you know, surgeons, whatnot, right? Then I'm going to go in and then um, join groups and write articles and write content based off of that information when I did my foundation work of what their pain points and desires are. Because you want to bring somebody in and go, gosh, you know, that's a really big pain point that I had. And if you can emotionally draw somebody into an article or a piece of content, they're going to they're gonna perceive you as the expert and authority in your industry, and then you're well on your way to, you know, a new prospect. What LinkedIn tools help you identify the right audience? Uh, there's no tools that do that in LinkedIn. However, it's when I do my coaching, we do use Sales Navigator as part of our research. So we're going to go research our competitors and we're going to not just look at their LinkedIn, but we're going to go look at their websites, their other social media, you know, because at the end of the day, you want somebody to hire you and you better have, you know, a, be on the cusp of what your competitors are doing. Right. But we also use LinkedIn to um, see what it is that our ideal audience is put it in. Like, for example, um, lately I've seen CEO not mean chief executive officer, you know, now you've got these younger startups that they're redefining titles. So it might be chief education officer. It might be chief oh. entertainment officer, right? So you want to go in and part of the, you know, defining who that prospect is, is the demographics. So where are they geographically located? What are their titles? What size of company do they work for? You know, things like that. And that's where Sales Navigator really, you know, comes in handy because it has all those filters. I aspire to be the CSO, Chief Snack Officer. That to me <laughs> sounds like the best job. And so all these places now have good spreads when people are back in the office again. I'm, um, a, I'm the CMO, Chief <laughs> M&M Officer. <laughs> And I love uh, peanut M&Ms. Uh, a question from the audience. Have you gained the most success clients 
from LI uh, from LI or have other social media platforms worked as well? I'd say 95% of my clients are from LinkedIn or referrals in LinkedIn. Um, I have gotten some clients through Instagram and Facebook, but I don't work those exclusively. Usually those come from um, some of the groups that I belong to in Facebook, and then I get direct messages in um, in Instagram. You, you mentioned this in the book, and I'm not even sure what this is. What is a, um, I read it in the book, but what is a Boleyn search? I've never Boolean. heard of it. That's Boolean. Boolean. <laughs> Boolean okay. search. Boolean is something that uh, the search engines came up with. So for example, um, there's like search operators and and this may not make sense to anybody because I would have to show you instead of tell you, but LinkedIn, it has a a smaller version of Boolean search operators. But for example, let's say you put in, um, you are looking for the director of marketing. So when you go into the LinkedIn search bar, you go, you know, director of marketing, and then you hit the search button and you're going to get everything under the sun from director marketing and director of marketing or marketing, anything with the director and marketing. So if you put quotations around it, now you're asking for an exact search. If you don't have quotations around it, it is a broad Search. So if you really want to refine your searches with the who, uh, then that's where the Boolean search operators come in. But I will say this, that Sales Navigator has, they did some upgrades last uh, October that you don't have to use Boolean search operators in order to find, you know, the right folks. But I still do every once in a while because even, even though LinkedIn is a search engine, it's not a perfect search engine. And sometimes I get, you know, results that don't make sense. Then I'll, then I'll start using some search operators. Uh, when putting your profile together, what if you have multiple businesses? This is me. I'm like civil. <laughs> I've got all kinds of personalities. Uh, do you need a profile for each? Like do you set up a different LinkedIn page for each of them? How do you handle that? No. And if you did, LinkedIn would catch up with you because it violates their terms of service. So I have many a client uh, that have more than one company and that's okay. So you, add, you know, create a company page for each one of them, add your, you know, work experience information in there. And then link, what LinkedIn does allow you to do in edit mode is reorder them. So I would put the one that you are focusing on in LinkedIn at the very top. And you can always move them up and down however you wish. So you can do that on the one page, like I have the, my the best business minds but truthfully uh that's not where i make my money i don't make money off of this uh it's just a passion for me uh and makes great amazing contacts like yourself but you're saying you could uh take that page and create multiple pages on it yes so you're allowed to have more than one company page you just can't have more than one profile interesting okay And then within each company page, they have what they call showcase pages. So for example, we'll just take Microsoft as an example, right? Microsoft owns LinkedIn. And so they have a general company page, but then they have showcase pages based off of the different products they have. So like they'll have a Dynamics um, 365 CRM showcase page. They'll have um, Microsoft, their office products showcase page. And then they may have a few more in there as well. I've got it. I might have to hire you as the coach here. There's just too much that needs to be done. I I would love to. Absolutely. 
what should the, uh, what should you look for and and the feel of your profile be you know and what should you avoid so you know what's an interesting way to put your profile and what are the mistakes people typically make so the mistakes i'm still seeing is the profile is all about you me 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 and if you guys go read my about summary uh, if anybody's a country music fan um, there, Toby Keith has a song called me, 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 me. I, I want to talk about me. <laughs> so that's fine because it's a personal profile, but your profile should, um, be a little more client centric, but we want to keep it a personal profile. So we want to create that no like trust, that perception that somebody likes you. They feel like they know you and they want to trust you with some of the additional sections. So in the about summary, this is really where you should really define who that client is. Okay. I'm going to be guys, a little template here. Who are you? Okay. Tell, tell your story. All right. Who am I? Why do I am doing what I doing? How did I get to where I am today? Two, who do you help? All right. And then what do you do for them? How do you help them? What makes you different? And then at the end of the day, they want to know what's in it for them. So what kind of results or outcomes can they expect working with you over your competition? And then and then you need to have a call to action. Again, always call to actions. Um, we've even taken a step further and started adding some copywriting um, aspects to the profiles, like headlines. And we don't just write our title in the work experience. We have the benefit statement. And we'll put our title in there too, but you shouldn't lead with your title. Lead with how, you know, the benefit statement of how you help the person you want to help. And then don't forget uh, the other sections, your volunteer work, honors and awards, education, projects, publications, um, organizations you support. Those are all the human side of you. And you want to showcase some of that because that's where no like trust comes in. I've got a lot of work to do this weekend uh, on my profile. I just went and looked at it damn, I've got a lot of things I've got to do based on just what you've told me here. You're ruining my weekend. Uh, how I'm often, sorry. <laughs> how, how often should you update your profile? I think as your focus changes, it's not set it and forget it, all right? This isn't field of dreams. Um, I think as your business grows, as your clientele grows, um, you know, you, the profile should reflect those changes. Maybe you got a, you know, an award. Right. Or maybe you wrote a book or maybe you got interviewed on a fantastic podcast like this one. You know, you want to go add those things to your profile. I do mine like a couple times a year and I'll spend two to three hours each time updating it. Yeah, we just won an award, a major award for this podcast. And now I have to think about, you know, put it I, I put it out there as an announcement and got a bunch of, you know, hits on it. But I need to add that as well. You mentioned LinkedIn. Uh, I would add that in two places, Mark. Go ahead. One, under your company page, or you're like, for me, I have my company page, Local Hopeful Media, and then I have my company page, Tracy Enos, which is the speaker, the, you know, the book writer, whatever Tracy Enos is, but the company does the services, right? So I would put um, under your, I would create a business page for your podcast, if you so wish to do that, and then do award-winning podcast host. And then I would also add that award into your honor section. And with a link to the award. Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, of course. All right. I'm going to be super busy this weekend because of you. All right. You mentioned LinkedIn publishes an editorial calendar. So uh, one knows what to write about. Does that still exist? And where do you find it? And what does that mean in terms of getting published? 
it does not exist anymore. Uh, that was the Pulse platform where LinkedIn had a bunch of different categories. Yeah. You can go follow categories. They took that away in August of 2016. Okay. So uh, how do you how do you research topics and where do you find your ideas? Man, I find inspiration everywhere, everywhere. So one thing I started doing back in 2017 that I hadn't done prior to, to that, uh, that date was talk about my story, my backstory, my origin story. Uh, in 2015, um, I sustained third degree burns. And when I, before I went to go speak on that stage, Dan Kennedy's event, um, the MC and the host of that event was actually my client of three years at that time. And, and he also wrote the forward to my book. And what he told me is, is you got to start telling your stories. And I'm like, I don't want to tell my story. I'm embarrassed about my story. Nobody cares about my story. And he says, if you look at some of the best advertising in the world, you know, it doesn't always have to be your story, but it's story formatted, right? You're going to draw people in emotionally. And when I started doing that, things really started popping. And so I could start using, you know, stories of my timeshare and how you don't judge a book by its cover. See, that's inspiration. I got a story behind that. You know, um, I've got stories about leadership and I got personal stories. I got stories about, you know, my kids and I've got, you know, I also subscribe to everybody's under the sun's newsletter. You know, I subscribe to, you know, I go look at Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I look through my newsfeed and find colleagues. I go look at how many likes they like. That tells me that people want to know more about that topic. So I might create a, that, you know, something similar, but on the same topic. Um, I mean, I just find inspiration everywhere. It's Absolutely. funny. Um, last week we had on the show Bobby Clinic, uh, who wrote the book, um, how, uh, uh, marketing that doesn't suck. And yeah. uh, he mentioned, and he, I was blown away when he mentioned, uh, I was blown away when you mentioned that you have posts that have been viewed by 14,000 or more people. And interesting that you encourage people to write about their personal things. And last week, uh, Bobby said the same thing. And he found that he, his audience re really resonated with them because I'm always thinking about writing short and to the point. Uh, and I was amazed when he showed some of his emails, which were really long emails, but they were super successful. So which are long and personal and humorous. Why does that seem to work with people? I think it's the no like trust. You know, um, I, I those posts that you're talking about, Mark, those worked really well prior to 2015 because LinkedIn was that kind of platform. But things change. You know, um, people want to get to know you. And so with, you know, we're in, we're now in a Zoom world and face-to-face -face meetings aren't happening as often. And this happened prior to the pandemic, by the way, I've, I've had Zoom for like four or five years now. Wow. Um, and so um, people want to get to know you. Look, uh, this was, this was the analogy way back when I first started doing um, podcasts several years ago, back in 2017. Um, this is when LinkedIn still had the interest section in the profiles, which I don't have anymore. But trust me, I'm, I'm trying to get them to bring it back because it was very valuable. But we use like the interest section was more along the lines of your personal stuff. Do you like to fish or do you, you know, read fiction books or, or anything like that? So here's the analogy. Let's say you are looking for an estate lawyer in your city, we'll say Kansas City, 
and you found two estate lawyers on LinkedIn that were pretty much Cadillacs of all the estate lawyers. So they were apples to apples. And you're, you know, having a, you don't know which one to call first. So you go flip through their profile and you find out that one of them actually is an avid golfer. And you just happen to be an avid golfer. Which one are you more likely to call first? Yeah, right. The one you connect with. Right. The one that you connect with. And so that's what it is about telling stories, being a little vulnerable. It's okay. Um, you, you don't you don't have to tell the whole story, all the story, but be a little vulnerable. People like to see that because they want to know that they like you and maybe you might have something in common and it brings down those walls. And that's when you get your messages uh, in your inbox responded to. People go look at your profile and go, wow, I like this person. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten on a call with somebody only because I have my military experience in there. They're like, well, I'm in the military. I got on a podcast only because he interviews people that are business owners that are former military, you know, so it put that stuff in there. That's that likability that people will bring their walls down and be more likely to engage with you and respond to your messaging if, if you get some of your personal stuff in there and your storytelling. And I'm a big believer in this next question I have for you, which is repurposing content. I, mm -hmm. I, I work with, you know, helping clients market themselves. So get, give some examples of how you can take your LinkedIn client and repurpose it. So for example, um, so we'll just take the article I just wrote, Creator Mode. So I, I wrote that. Um, I didn't do a video on it, but let's just say I created the video first. And I have a three minute video and I talk about Creator Road. Well, I can go get that transcribed, take some of those snippets and start using it for posts in LinkedIn or on Instagram or in Facebook, right? Or I could take that video and do a, take the 15 seconds out of it. That's the best part of it. And I can go create a TikTok channel or I could put it up on YouTube, that video on YouTube. Um, same things I can do with my clients. So I record all my client calls obviously ask for permission first. And I might take a portion of that call because a lot of times they're asking the same questions that a lot of people are asking as well. And this will give me ideas for content. And now I can go out there and I can highlight that. I can highlight my clients out of that and do like a short little video out of that. I can post that video and that little client content like client successes or, um, or their industry and post that on every other social media obviously format it differently for other social media platforms because you know not every not the same posts are exactly the same like on Facebook or Instagram right so yeah. i can take articles that i've written and i can create a book if i've written enough articles you could create an ebook out of that right? i i yep yeah, i've done that and then go create a landing page and where somebody opts in to get your free thing and then market whatever services or products that you have from there. Uh, you mentioned some online services that tell you what content is trending, uh, which I didn't know these things. Buzzsumo, uh, Somo. Buzzfeed and, and Buzzsumo. Yeah, oh, it's Buzzfeed. Uh, there's a Buzzfeed and there's a Buzzsumo. Now it's paid. When I wrote that, there was like free versions of it. Not anymore. But And Feedly. And Feedly, yes. So Feedly is another great uh, place to go get inspiration. So you can go and put in keywords, create lists for, you know, different topics that you have. And then Feedly will go in. They have a free and a paid version. I like the paid version. 
they will, you go in and it will tell you some of the best performing articles and the topics. So you can as well use that for inspiration for your own content. Same thing with BuzzSumo, BuzzFeed is you go put in your topic in there and you can do it all the way up to a year, I believe. I like to do it in the past like month. What topics are trending? And so you can get some inspiration from there. Another one I like is Google Trends. And so you can go set up a Google trend and it will email you daily based off of your, your um, keywords in there. So, and I, I use that a lot as well. Um, and for finally getting to this question, what, uh, when, where are videos useful? And could you explain the concept you learned from Mike Koenig called the 10 by 10 formula? Videos are useful everywhere. People like to watch you know, and so they'd always like to read. So you want to appease both the reader and the listener or, you know, somebody that wants to watch your video, right? So I learned this from Mike Koenigs when I went to that conference and it's the 10 by 10 formula. Everybody that is in business has the top frequently asked questions, right? So you could do the top 10 frequently asked questions, answer those questions in two to three minutes, and then you can do the top should ask questions. These are questions that people don't think to ask you, but they should. Now you have 20 videos and then you can take those videos. Even if you just posted them once a week, that's 20 weeks worth of content right there. Then of course you can take those videos, you can transcribe them and then turn them into posts, just little snippets at a time. That could, you could create, you know, two to three pieces of content per week just by doing the 10 by 10 formula. I was just wondering this, uh, your book focused on how to leverage LinkedIn, but I'm wondering how do you tie in Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and what is best use for each of them? So I use Facebook for the group aspect that, that LinkedIn groups lack that feature, right? So I go find my ideal client in these groups that I belong to. They're entrepreneurs, they're coaches, they're consultants. Um, they're not just using Facebook, but they're using other avenues as well. And I find the ones who really want to leverage LinkedIn. Um, I'm not a, I have a lot of Twitter followers, but I haven't been using Twitter really. Um, I think it's really gone more for the media and the journalism side of things and the political side of things. So I kind of moved away from that. And then I got away from Instagram as well too. So, but I mean, those will come back, but I probably, I'll stick with Facebook groups and I will stick with LinkedIn. So here's my last question for you. Uh, if you had to give a few tips for quick generation of interest and leads, what would that be? Okay, repeat that, please. If you had to give just a few tips to the audience about um, how to generate interest and leads for their business, what would that be? Don't start with content. <laughs> start with your profile. Really, you know, take the time to build out that profile. And then I would start doing, um, you know, an outreach campaign where I would go find the folks in LinkedIn and you can get started with the free LinkedIn and the, the uh, few filters that they have in there. Um, you'll be able to find some good prospects in there, but really create, you know, a daily, weekly and monthly, um, you know, strategy or a system and then start adding in the other pieces. If you already have content, sure, go ahead and add the content, you know, to your, 
to your newsfeed and your company page. But I think if you really want to get prospects starting tomorrow, you go use LinkedIn and start developing relationships with those people. Start conversations. Here's a, uh, one more question from the audience before we let you go. Is there a free podcast tool for recording and posting? Uh, I use free tools all the time. I use Loom for video, L-O-O-M. They have a free and a paid and their paid is really cheap. And it comes with that, some other bells and whistles. Um, I use Zoom and Zoom has free and paid. I pay 15 or $16 a month, but that's because um, I do, you know, coaching sessions with people with that are not sitting in the same room, but they have the free. And I think you can do up to 40 or 45 minutes on the free Zoom and you can record it. Tracy, I got to tell you, this was awesome. <laughs> I walked away stressed uh, for all the stuff I've got to go and do now, but the information was amazing. And I think it really opened up people's eyes to all that you could do uh, with LinkedIn. I really thank you for coming on today. I hope you feel better. Um, and you. I hope we'll talk again because I'd love to have you back and I hope you'll write another book. I am that book. It's, it's sitting behind me, the LinkedIn publishing of profits version 2.0. I'm going to start writing this fall. All right. So when that comes out, we'll schedule you for next year. Sounds great. Everybody have a wonderful holiday weekend and we look forward to seeing you all. Our next show will actually um, be uh, next Friday at uh, 11 o'clock. So, but you'll hear back from me about that. Now, can I give your, can I give your audience something for free? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I want all of you to go to LinkedIn and connect with me, Tracy Enos. I'm the only one with the profile photo, I believe. Um, it's a green, like a, a lime green background. Send me a connection request. And if you do and say that you heard me on Mark's podcast, then I will go ahead and give you guys my free 30 point profile checklist. I want that checklist. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thank you again, Tracy. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Best Business Minds. Tune in every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time for our live recordings. Go to www.thebestbusinessminds.com for more information and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter to be kept up to date with our upcoming guests and other bonus material. See you next time.